Hey, Freaky family, and welcome to Let's Get Freaky podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Cullum. Welcome back to the show for another freaky episode. We talk all things paranormal at Let's Get Freaky, ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, and more. If it's paranormal, we are going to discuss it. We would love to talk to you about your paranormal experiences. So if you would like to be a guest on the show and share some of your experiences, then please get in touch. Email us at Let's Get Freaky Podcast at Outlook.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can reach us on any of those platforms at any time. Okay, guys, I'm very excited for our next guest. We've got Nick Hayes. He's He's captured a lot of unseen craft and beings in the sky. He's got some amazing photos and he's here to share that with us today, guys. I'd like to welcome Nick Hayes. How are you, sir? Very well, Tommy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on. Welcome. No, that's fine. That's great. Looking forward to it. (laughs) So I've read your book, Quest of the Invisibles. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome stuff, man. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, that was, yeah, I mean, that was basically, um, that covered the first five years of my, my quest to photograph invisible phenomena. Um, and as you would have read in the book, it all started with a, a UFO encounter that I had on uh, Christmas Day evening, 2008. Um, I'll talk about that for a little bit, if you want, so people understand. Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be great yeah. to hear how it all started. Well, what it was, I was taking my dog for a walk. I had two dogs at the time. Um, um, Lucy and Alfie, they're both departed now. But um, I took it was a really well, it was Christmas Day evening, two thousand eight. It was about seven fifteen, and it, it was ice all over the floor, and it was really foggy. And because there's a lot of sort of grassland area around where I, I live, there was like a ground fog, and there was also like a sky fog, and it was absolutely freezing. And what happened was, I I was walking down to take my dog for a walk around the park, and as I got back, we had to go through an alleyway which went alongside a, a substation. We walked past that and we got back to the very end and my dog wanted to turn around and go back down that same alleyway. And I was absolutely freezing cold. So I, I agreed in the end because I just wanted to get him out there and he was sniffing around. What happens was, while he was sniffing around, I was just looking up at the top of this substation, which, which was pyramid shaped. And it reminded me of um, when I was in Cairo looking at the Great Pyramid. And it was really eerie because um, the mist was blowing and um, the orange lights, the orange glow from the lights was reflecting all over the pyramid like top. I was just thinking how weird that was. And then a few, in the sort well, it must have been, I reckon it must have been like a couple of hundred feet away. I saw this like glowing red and orange, just like light coming through the fog. And the fog was so thick in the air, or mist, whatever you want to call it, in the air that you could barely see it at times. And it was totally silent and it got nearer and nearer. I thought, what the hell is that, you know? And um, and all of a sudden, um, there's every now and then there's like patches of um, fog in the sky, which weren't as thick. And it, luckily for me, this thing went into one of those and I saw it like for a few seconds. And it was this weird, like, it was a picture of it actually in the book and on the website as well. Um, but it, it looked like, first of all, I thought it was a craft and it was glowing and it seemed to be sort of changing colour from sort of orange through to pink. And a bit like a glowing ember when you blow an ember and then it, you know, it reaches its brightness and then it fades again and then it comes back up. And it was like that. It was about 200 foot above me. And I reckon because um, I paced it, it was going probably about two and a half two to three miles an hour and it looked like it was breathing it looked like it was alive and it reminded me of one of those creatures that you see in you know in the deep oceans the with you know the bioluminescence and i decided to follow it and i couldn't go directly because it went around it kind of way it went in a straight straight movement you know and i couldn't go there because there was a rose but i followed it um down to a park-like area and it kept disappearing completely and you could just see a tiny bit of this glow 
Um, and then it would go and then it would come back. And I just got a camera that day for my birthday, for, for Christmas, sorry, uh, of my brother-in-law. And I hadn't used it. I'd used it in the daytime, but I got bored with it really quick. So I hadn't taken it out with me. So I decided to run back home. I took a shortcut, grabbed the dog, legged it back, um, got my other dog, Lucy, took her down there. Decided to go down and try and catch her some video uh, or something of it. And I couldn't see it. I was waiting for, it must have been an hour, it seemed like. And uh, I was walking everywhere and I couldn't see it. And then all of a sudden I saw it. And just as I went to take a, a photograph, um, I slipped down the bank and dropped the camera. I couldn't find the camera. And I suddenly found the camera and I decided to try and record some um, video. And um, I tried several occasions and it was so dark and I didn't know how to use it. But I took loads of bits of video, um, went home and I'd actually caught um, caught it on a, quite a few frames, but it was very wobbly. But there's one frame where you can actually clearly see it. And uh, so that started me off. I, I couldn't sleep for months and months. I didn't know what I'd seen because um, I always thought UFOs were were craft. And this thing looked sort of craft like with dome dome like top and bottom, but it was breathing and it reminded me more of a creature. And I couldn't work it out. It, you know, it almost sent me insane. And I looked on the internet for similar things. I couldn't find anything. And this, remember, this is going back a few years now. And then all of a sudden, one of my friends said about a guy called Trevor James Constable, who he'd seen a video on. And um, he brought the video around for me to watch. And I found out that Trevor James Constable, um, he went out in the 1950s, um, 90, summer, summer of 1957, into the Mojave Desert of Southern California with his friend, um, Dr. James Woods. Um, with the purpose of filming UFOs. Now, Constable had become in, interested in UFOs that became invisible, and he wanted to know where they were going. And realising that they were often picked up on radar but weren't you know, visually present, so he decided to um, basically um, start checking out into the invisible. So he, he knew that the, the microwave portion of the spectrum, which is where um, radar operates, sort of comes on, you know, borders the infrared. So he decided to start looking in the infrared. So he used a standard 35 millimeter camera with infrared filming and began um, going out to see if he could film anything and he used various attraction techniques, a thing called the star exercise he used to attract them and later the, um, the cloud buster. But he managed to capture a whole load of um, these creatures and some of them looked like giant amoeba. And um, so, so I could see that, you know, he captured similar living things in the infrared. So I decided I'd, start looking into the infrared myself and see if I could capture anything similar to what I'd seen that night or anything like Trevor's. So that's what began the quest for the invisibles, really. And that, that was basically, two, I think it was Christmas Day 2008 when I first had that encounter. And I think by Christmas 2009, um, I'd got an infrared camera and I started going out and filming. So that's really sort of how I got into it. Awesome. Yeah, and I later discovered that as a through reading... Trevor James Constable's, his first book was called They Live in the Sky, and it was issued in 1957, I think it was, or 1958. And um, it's got lots of photographs in there. And he wrote another book, which is more famous for, called The Cosmic Pulse of Life. Um, and that goes into depth about the techniques he used for capturing these, um, these invisible UFOs, the biological UFOs, shall we call them, you know. Um, and I discovered the GRCU, which were an Italian UFO research group, and they were one of a couple of them that were sort of doing looking into the infrared and using um, instrumental detection devices and they were amongst the first to capture um, UFOs from the direct from the invisible state using Geiger counters and temperature indicators and various things so I decided to get myself a Geiger counter um, to use. so that's when I began sort of branching out more using detection um, devices and I would later go on to build a cloud buster which is a weather manipulation device that um, uses organ energy and it increases the organ charge in the atmosphere and attracts the invisible creatures 
and some sort of craft-like objects to that position in the sky. So you you end up filming through camcorders and cameras, whatever you want, and just keep concentrating wherever you're getting Geiger counter hits and things. And wow, it's, it's very it's very complicated. It takes a lot of time as well. Yeah, um, and I use techniques, you know, um, like the sun obliteration technique. I use an ultra. I've got a couple of camcorders which are um, full spectrum. Which means that um, most cameras and camcorders now they've got a, a filter in which stops you filming and te- well ca- capturing photographs of infrared and ultraviolet because you get a very unnatural looking photograph. Um, so there's many names for these filters. They call some of them are called cut filters. They've got various names. But what happens is with a camcorder, they take this cut filter out and they either put a piece of clear quartz in it and that opens it up to infrared, um, visible light, and ultra and ultraviolet. Um, and what you can do then, which is what I've done in my case, is then use various filters on top to block parts of either the infrared, ultraviolet or visible. So in my case, I use an ultraviolet filter and that will block the infrared and the visible. So all I'm seeing is ultraviolet, which again is you know, invisible. It's at the other end of the spectrum. And I found that by using the sun obliteration technique, I'd use a, the top of a house basically to hide the sun behind. And I'd slightly zoom in towards the top of the house. And I found that... Um, there seems to be some kind of a flow that was going from right to left, which I worked out was west to east. And um, every now and then these creatures would come along on it. And many of them were fish-like forms. And, you know, I'm not talking about you know the, the whole rods phenomena that came along. You know, a lot of those thing, things with multiple repeats are insects that have been caught, you know, and you get multiple, you get like a rod-shaped body with multiple um, repeats of the wings. So I'm not talking about that rod-type thing. I'm not talking about actual fish-like forms that have got fish-like bodies with fins. And, and even worm-like forms, and a whole a whole range of um, strange, almost like sea-like creatures. Yeah. So that that's what the book Quest of the Invisibles covers. The first five years of me sort of probing the infrared, and then later the the ultraviolet. Um, but obviously, I've carried on since then, and I've put everything else on the Quest of the Invisibles website, um, which you can see at uh, www.questoftheinvisibles.co.uk. Yeah, definitely check that out, guys. It is awesome. Yeah, so that's that's kind of sort of rounded it off, really, how I got into it. Yeah. I've been out for nearly 12 years or something, you know, full on. So how, how often would you capture these entities? Well, when I was filming in the ultraviolet, I'll give you an example. I'd go out sometimes for five or six times, five or six hours a day, because it, you can only film when it's really like a, a day where you've got quite an intense sun and you've got an area of blue sky that you can film into. Because if you're filming in the infrared ultraviolet, generally because of the white balance you'll find that trees and everything go white and also if you get clouds in the sky you can't see things so you really need to see these objects against a clear blue sky and totally lit up now these things i mean i'm filming at 50 frames a second so that's three thousand frames a, a minute and these things sometimes only appear on one frame or maybe three and i'd film perhaps six or seven hours a day perhaps even up to five days a week and i'd film for months and months on end and i'll spend months and months going through the footage and i might find one thing Wow. I might find nothing. Yeah. And it's, you know, very, very, very time consuming. Uh, but I captured some of the same things over and over again. And uh, there's quite a few examples. My earlier work in the infrared, I was finding that many of these things appeared very, very high in the sky. And it wasn't very easy to, to cap, you know, you couldn't really enlarge the photo. You'd lose too much detail. So that's why I began um, looking into ultraviolet. And I found that these things would be a bit nearer and I could capture them a lot clearer. Okay, but um, but yeah, so I use I use an infrared converted um, camera which has got um, 
So it's, it's had the blocking chip taken out of it and it's had an infrared pass filter put in. So what it does, it blocks most of the visible spectrum apart from the barely visible red that occurs just before the infrared. And then you get the infrared. And so I've got that and I've got two full spectrum camcorders, which I use a variety of filters. I mean, sometimes I film in the infrared and or the ultraviolet at the same time, blocking the visible spectrum. Well, some you can just film like in infrared, ultraviolet and visible at the same time. And it all varies whether you're filming at night or in daytime. Okay. So, Are these things ever possible to capture on like a, a normal camera or is that not? No, well, for a long time, I filmed the same scene with a normal camera in video, yeah. and um, these things didn't show up. Um, you can capture things, yeah. I mean, if you, at night, you can capture things if they're lit up. I mean, people capture ghostly forms and things. And you can capture UFOs. I mean, I've seen some bits that people have caught, but I don't actually use a standard camera much anymore. I tend to, most of the work I do now is nighttime work, where I'm walking around with a Geiger counter in one hand and infrared camera around my neck. I've got it set there, so it's pressed against my chest, and I have my finger on the on the button permanently almost so that it's permanently in focus otherwise when you're filming in the dark it's got to focus before it takes a photo and you, you basically the minute you get a buzz from the geiger counter you basically need to take a photograph um so it's that's the kind of stuff i'm doing at the moment and next summer i should perhaps look into filming into the sky again awesome. it's a bit too hot this year <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so it's amazing you say these things look like they're breathing so uh, well, so the thing I saw that night did, yeah, yeah. And um, Constable found, Trevor James Constable, who we talked about earlier, he, he recorded some huge amoeba-like bioforms, which were really, really big, you know, talking from the you know, size of like a lorry, some of them. And wow. he found that they pulsated as they moved. They were making like a breath, almost like a breath-like um, pulsation. And very similar to the thing that I saw that night. And the funny thing is, when I saw that UFO that night, um, I thought it was going to be on the news and everything. Um, because it was Christmas Day evening, obviously the you know, nothing was out already, Boxing Day. But over the next few days, I expected to hear it on the news and to see on the billboards down the road, you know, for the newspapers and never heard anything. No one seemed to see it. Nobody else? Not that I know of, no. It was a very, very dark night and it was basically going straight across from Oxford City, straight across where I live. And then yeah. it's heading towards the actual airfield. But it was such a misty night and, you know, you couldn't even get a helicopter up on a night like that. It was so foggy and freezing cold and misty. Wow. This thing was perfectly silent. I reckon it's about 150 foot at times above me. And I was managing to walk along with it. I was actually matching the breath-like pulsations with my own breath. And I wanted to knock on people's doors and say, hey, come see this, come see this. But because it, it was Christmas Day evening, I thought they'd think I was drunk or something or off my head. <laughs> and it was really frustrating to see it by myself. Yeah. Especially not having a camera the first time around before I managed to run back and get my camera. But um, it was just, it was just like, to me, it was like a religious experience. I mean, I was doing a language course prior to that. I'd done a year at college and um, on a, a course, just this was just a night course. And I did three years on a, another night course um, at the Oxford University. And um, I quit that straight away because this thing just blew my mind. Wow. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was learning Arabic at the time. I was, I was looking into different languages and stuff because I've got some friends over in Egypt and, you know, I like Egyptian music and stuff. Yeah. And, and I was so into that. That was my thing. And then all of a sudden this thing just turned my whole life upside down i couldn't I see, see seeing it. something like that changes everything it was like a religious experience kind of thing it was um i mean i always believed in ufos anyway but i think the fact that it looked like a living creature that's what really blew me away yeah. it didn't make sense to me i'd never imagined that ufos were anything other than craft and this is what trevor james constable discovered i mean 
the first photographs he took, he didn't see what he captured at first because he was using um, infrared film. And he felt this, he was sitting at breakfast one morning. They'd been practicing this thing called the star exercise, which is a, an esoteric procedure by which you make a star shape with your body and you basically cross the northeast, southwest lines of the earth. And um, if, if you cross them, you kind of um, oscillate yourself across them, you'll feel like a pulse in your hand and it can put out like an etheric charge from your body and it attracts things. He was using that. I mean, that's a, I've explained that very quickly there. But um, I do recommend his book, Cos The Cosmic Force of Life. It explains all about etheric energy in there and it shows you the techniques he used, if anyone's interested in this kind of thing. Definitely, I'll check that out. Yeah. But he was sitting at the campsite at breakfast time and basically he, he felt a pulsation above him in the sky and he couldn't visibly see anything apart from a, what he describes as a shimmering variation against the normal blue sky background. So he got his um, infrared camera and started taking a series of photographs right above him and he couldn't see anything apart from this vibration. And then a week or so later, when he got the film back, um, it just showed these massive, this massive amoeba-like creature. Um, and it had like all these markings on it, like vacuoles and things. And it looked like something from the microbiological world. And he was like, wow, you know, and he'd caught a whole load of these. Um, he caught six in succession, showing this creature moving from above him and then off across the desert terrain. And bits of, you could see bits of um, landscape in the photograph. Um, and he found, you know, he filmed spherical UFOs as well. And through my work and through his work, what I've found is that, you know, these things, a lot of these spherical things that people see in the sky, these um, silver balls, they're living entities. They're made of plasma, living, living plasma. And they yeah. can take any form they want. They can take any, any shape they want. I've seen things morph and these things can morph. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are sort of calling them in and um, doing this thing, which is similar sort of stuff I do. But yeah. they actually come into the visible light spectrum a lot. You can get them to come in and they'll disguise themselves. They look like balloons or other things, but they'll be slightly weird. So you just know that it's not a balloon and they'll come in yeah. above you and then they'll disappear. I mean, you know, I don't do a lot of that. Most of mine's in the invisible that I do, but. Um, I mean, it's really, it's really straight. I've shared this on the show before, but I have seen, um, I've seen what I just, as a UFO come out of the forest where I used to live. Mm. And I'll, I'll say it quickly because i have shared it on the show before but it was like as you said it was a silvery um color and they were changing shape there was three of them yeah yeah they were changing shapes and me and my mother-in-law both saw this and we both couldn't we couldn't put a shape on it because it was constantly changing yeah, yeah well, so it's interesting you say that and they can link back together um yeah and yeah and they can do that in the skies i'd say that 99 of things people are seeing in the sky um are not you are not craft right okay um, I'd say a lot of them are these shape-shifting um, things. A lot of them are, see, there's biological UFOs which are, seem to be creature-like and, and remain in that creature-like state. There seems to be a whole load of them, them mainly in the ultraviolet. But there's also these other beings that I call um, sky beings. They seem to come into this reality about 3,000 foot up in the sky, and um, you can call them in, and they come in. But, you know, they often look like craft, but they're not. As you say, they can split and they come back together, and at night they can look like lights. Yeah, these are entities in their own right. They can even take um, humanoid forms. Um, you know, so you don't think this is ever like um, something controlling a ship. This is the this is a being. This is an entity. This well, in, many, in many cases, the being is the ship. Yeah, or the beings are the ship. They come into this physical realm, and um, they they can take any form they want. I mean, there's been a lot of people seeing things like that, and. Um, I mean, a lot of things I've, I've photographed, well, mainly filmed in the ultraviolet using um, camcorder, is um, they seem to be always in that 
fish-like shape or or you know i've um and they're weird they're just weird they they're not like this well, some of the fish look very similar to the fish that you can see um in in, in this um in our realm you know yeah they seem to swim through the sky rather than doing i think there's a video i took of a fish spinning through itself through the sky and uh, there's a few video links on my website there's a i've put quite a few things up there i've also got a youtube channel um, I think there's a link to that on the website as well. And um, I've got yeah. footage of some really strange things that I nicknamed spinning jennies. They seem to be like a fluidic paper-like being and they spin round and round and round. And I've recorded a whole flock of about 50 of them on a freezing cold day spinning yeah. through the sky and they're attracted using a cloudbuster, and they look really weird. And I managed to get um, to slow it down, take some um, some frames from it. And it's actually like a fish. It looks like a manta ray. Wow. like a stingray with triangular wings and yeah. what it does yeah. it faces its its well it's it's because its mouth area straight down bends its back and spins it goes through the sky spinning wow and i found some other ones which were like fluidic paper and they kind of moved like a sheet of paper some look like paper airplane shapes and some were just like a piece of paper just moving like almost like a flying carpet type effect wow and there's footage of some of those on uh, on my youtube site as well yeah, I'll put all links to your YouTube site on the on the show description as well. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. That's everything. Awesome. Yeah, there's links to everything on my news page on uh, Question Invisibles. You can take links or anything you want from there. I heard I heard um, someone talking the other day about space possibly. It's just a theory, but space possibly being like more like water. Well, I think so. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. I don't. I, it's not. It's definitely not a an empty void, as they say. There's, yeah. It's like I've come to the conclusion through my work and through this that, that there's many different levels existing at the same time. And, you know, I mean, I've got an interest in these dogmen and these things like that. Yeah. You know, and same. a lot of them have been seeing, I mean, they've seen those coming, through, apparently coming through portals into this reality from somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I believe a lot of things can come into this reality. And, um, I mean, I've recorded some entities as well. I'll talk about that for a little bit. But I was mainly concentrating on filming into the sky. And what happened was I had a cat that I took on. His name was Roy. He was one of the neighbour's cats. And the neighbour moved out. And Roy lived wild in the garden. Um, took me a couple of years to tame him. But he came in, gone so well with him, and had to get him put down because he got liver cancer. And after I buried him, I began going out every night and sitting by his gravesite. And what I do, I set up a camera, an infrared camera on the tripod, and I was taking long 15-second exposures in pitch darkness of the gravesite while asking sort of Roy if he could show me a sign he was still there. And um, I filmed constantly. I was doing it constantly all night long. And I think on the second or third day, I looked back at the photographs and because the Geiger counter had gone off and I managed to capture a snake-like entity coming straight out of his gravesite. Wow. And that's on the website as well in, in yeah. the section. And... Um, just like wow and um i mean i was very very upset at the time and very quite emotional i loved that cat to bits and um the fact that i had to get him put down it you know it killed me i, I don't mind yeah, that, you know, animals. yeah and then i captured something else so i put some daisies i didn't have any flowers to put on his grave so i got a load of these um long stemmed um daisy plants like michaelmas daisies and i put a load together in like a little posy type thing put them on his um grace's grave and then later that night i took a photograph and it was made of, it was almost like a plasma trail. I think it was a one second exposure. And within that plasma trail, there was two of these things that looked like daisy plants I'd put on his, on his um, grave. And it's just a massive um, plasma trail coming up. I think there's two of them side by side and they 
make all these like weird shapes and everything. And that's on the website wow. as well. And I began capturing like entities as well. Um, I caught, captured a couple of really small entities. Um, it, there's an entity section in the, on the website um, in the evidence section. And some of these entities are on there. But I captured these little impish kind of entity with, a, with I think it's two of them. One looked like a dragon or something. And it had like um, things on its head, antennae on its head. Um, and then things started getting really weird. I was walking past the, uh, my greenhouse and the guy counter went off and I decided to use the flash because sometimes if you use a standard flash, although you see a bright flash, the infrared camera only sees a small part of the barely visible red. So because, it, you know, because it's got infrared filter on it, which blocks most of the color. So what happened was as I was walking past the greenhouse, I took a photograph and um, I saw the whole greenhouse light up. I saw nothing was in there. Yeah. On the picture there was a, an entity looking at me from the greenhouse window. Wow. Looking out. Um, and he, he looked like he was holding a lantern. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, it really freaked me out, to be quite honest with you at first. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and then I went out, I think it was the next night or so. And um, as I was walking past, the, again, um, the guy counter started going off. It kept going off and then go, you know, like a quick burst, because I set it um, to a threshold of 0 0.20 microsieverts per hour, and that's double the normal... Um, background radiation rate so that i know that when the buzzer goes off it's either reached or exceeded that threshold and that's an indication that invisible phenomena are manifesting nearby or, or passing over your position but i generally aim the i aim, where i'm actually aiming this device the guy counter i will take photographs in that you know straightforward where i'm at where i'm aiming it in that direction yeah just before i started taking photos on that second occasion i thought in my head you know, I'm not really into filming ghosts. So I see myself more as a UFO thing, you know. And I took a photograph and um, there's an alien, picture, like an alien's head. That's on the website as well. And I had this like, yeah. face like an alien. And I was thinking, well, that's really, really weird because I just said that in my mind, you know. Yeah. And then I think I didn't capture anything for a long time. The Geiger counter kept going off and I didn't capture anything else for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, one night, I took another photograph. And in the photograph was this really dark looking being. Um, it hadn't reflected any light. Um, but the light reflected the light around it from the camera, which little light, you know, actually was seen in, because it's the infrared filter. It just lit up the area around this thing. And uh, it looked like it got horns or something. And it had a little creature on its lap. that looked like a cat. But wow. with, um, yeah, and I caught another one after that. I think, yeah, I caught another entity as well. And they're all in like the bottom corner of the right hand corner of the greenhouse. Wow. Um, and then I never, ever caught anything ever again after that nothing ever appeared what, after that. what do you think that is like what i know it's hard but what do you think that is i started thinking it was i was a bit of an emotional wreck after roy died i was very very upset and i think i must have attracted something negative at the time right because i you know i got this fear of dread the minute the geiger counter went off i suddenly get this real feeling feeling of dread yeah and um it got to the point where it kind of scared me to a certain extent and i, I started getting weird things going on in the house like um I live on the same land as my sister. I, I live in a flat, you know, next door to hers above a garage. And my sister's, um, well, we've got it rigged up so that if the doorbell rings on my sister's um, the back door, it, it rings on mine just so we can get any deliveries. Right. And then I get into our place because it's kind of gated and everything like that, you know, there's an electric gate. But at three o'clock in the morning, the old um, the bell would be ringing like three times and it really freaked me out. My sister wow. heard it right there. And my dogs would got so freaked out they wouldn't go into my room, into my flat. Um, so again, a lot of problems like that. Things would go missing. Uh, really weird things would go missing. Um, some food once. My sister bought some food and we went to eat it and it had gone. It was disappeared. Wow. 
then um, some, that's some really weird stuff going on. Uh, you know, a photo appeared that we'd never seen before of my dad. He's, he's not with us any longer, God bless him. But and that suddenly appeared um, underneath my sister's jumper in her room. Wow. Never, we'd never ever seen it. And we've been looking at photos um, the whole life from out of the family photo box. Yeah. But my sister was saying, you know, she really wanted a photo of my dad because we'd never seen a picture of him when he was kind of 18, 19. We'd only yeah. ever seen pictures of him when he was in his 30s in the RAF when he met my mum. Yeah. So we'd never seen a picture of um, of him young, and uh, and this picture turned up in the house. Wow, how strange! Yeah, no, it's very, very strange. Yeah, uh, I had like footsteps walking up my door. The door knocked and things, and I, I felt presences in my room. And yeah, and that all started after I um after the photographs that came from Roy's grave. Wow! So, so you think you attracted something there then? I definitely think so. Yeah, and also, I mean, I'd be looking up to the sky, and in my mind, I'd be saying, you know, if there's any um the ufos out there any creatures you know that can hear me you know and you want to be in any of my photographs you know please feel free so you know someone pointed out to me um that you know you're inviting things into into reality that you don't know what they are yeah and i hadn't really protected myself for anything at the time i mean because you know i was just filming ufos and i knew that some of them are telepathic and uh this and that so all i was just sort of thinking thoughts and obviously, but I found that, you know, wherever you look in the sky and you project your thoughts, those thoughts are going there and these things can pick up. Yeah. And that's how you can ask them to appear. If you're into that, you know, what they call UFO calling, um, you can get them to appear. I mean, I tend to just use a Geiger counter and try and film a bit lower in the sky and either using a sun technique or I just go out at night using a Geiger counter. But I very often film at ground level because there's yes. a lot of strange things going on at ground level. The GRCU caught a lot of strange things. They caught these um, sort of bird-like forms that came from like a, an orb. And it was, a, I think it was a 40-second exposure taken in complete darkness in the infrared. And they got a Geiger counter reading. And there was a sudden um, drop in temperature as well. And loads of other, var- I think they used various other, other devices. Um, it affects the compass as well. Okay. So it seems to me that when these entities and a lot of these things manifest into the infrared, because they're not always in the infrared, but they're coming from somewhere into that infrared, so they're either changing their vibration, which I believe they can do to come into this reality. But what seems to happen is it seems to set the Geiger counter off. And I don't think it's any of the known radiations which are happening. I think it's... Um, I think, well, I've worked out from a friend of mine. I've written a paper, co- co-written a two-part paper with a fellow researcher called Leon Southgate, and he's an organomist. He looks into the work of organ energy, which was something discovered by Dr. Wilhelm Reich back in the 1940s. And uh, he found that he could um, get rid of clouds and, uh, and change the weather by using a series of pipes that were set up like in a seesaw type motion and um, grounded in water, um, water that was running. He found that these things could, we found that organ energy, it's a living um, energy that he found was present in all things. And uh, he's, I mean, what to start with, he hypothesized that um, it was everywhere. And he said that, you know, it jumps off everywhere. It's in our hands. It's, it's everywhere. And he found that you could manipulate it by using um, steel tubes in water. It seemed to create some kind of a, what it bound it together. It seemed to be able to send it straight up to the sky. Um, I mean, it's a long subject, organ energy, but it is, you know, Trevor James Constable goes into it in great depth in his book, um, The Cosmic Pulse of Life. Yeah. And people use the same thing for healing. It's called prana. Um, there's many different names for this energy. Um, he found that um, it does attract craft and various entities and things. But what I found is, and if people want to look at this paper, I wrote this paper, which was published um, with, with Leon Southgate, it's called Positive Findings on Constable's Organotic Bioforms. 
And uh, what we think is happening is that um, the organ energy, the life energy of these beings, it seems to become excited and it reaches a state of what Dr. Wright called Oranor, which is an excited state of, um, of organ energy or life energy. And that seems to trigger the Geiger counter. For some reason, it, it must create ionizing radiation, which is picked up by the Geiger counter. And you get an instantaneous um, burst. Sometimes it's for a fraction of a second. It goes up and comes back down. Sometimes it barely registers because it's so fast. And now and then you'll get a really high rate, you know. And if that was normal radiation and you're in a situation, you know, you'd have to get the hell out of there. Yeah. These are high readings that you get in just for a fraction of a second or sometimes for up to a minute. But obviously, you know, you're in the middle of a, a field or somewhere in, in a forest. So you, you know that it's not, you know, harmful radiation from that. But um, so and that's something I got from the GRCU, which was the Italian UFO research group led by Luciano Bacconi. Um, I mean, they were going for, I think there's 25 members of their group, and they were going for some time. Um, they released a book in 1980s, I think it was only 1,000 made in Italian only, an A4 book called UFO La Rialta Nascosta. Yeah, UFO La Rialta Nascosta, which is UFO the Hidden Reality. Right. And um, they, they sort of, in that, they showcased a lot of the things that they'd caught using infrared cameras. They caught some entities, they caught strange creatures and they like pterodactyl like birds in flocks flying across wow. the sky made of energy yeah yeah they, they took really long exposures they used infrared film and they found in some cases as did trevor james constable that these invisible entities they would nullify the film so in actual fact they hadn't caused a reaction so there'd be like a black void on the film and i wasn't sure if i could recreate this using digital cameras so i wrote to trevor james constable who was like in his 70s by the time I'd got in touch with him, and he wrote back and encouraged me to get out there with a digital camera and give it a try. So this is why I, you know, this is what got me into filming, well, taking photographs and using infrared and ultraviolet. Um, I actually got the book published by Trevor James Constable's publisher, the book okay. trip in the USA, which was um, good, which you know made me feel pretty pretty good. So yeah, oh, it's brilliant. It's a very complex um, subject. I mean, I've tried to mention everything I could on the website. I've tried to cover everything and explain yeah. different things um, on there. So if people are interested in this subject, then um, have a look at the website. And, yeah, uh, definitely check it out. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks. So you think that, so going back to the entities in your house and the yeah. entities you saw outside. And the, and the, I captured the outside, yeah. In the creatures green. in the sky. Yeah, this yeah. is all connected somehow. Is that what you think? Or I've come to the conclusion that the UFO thing and the paranormal thing are very interlinked. Yeah, if not the same thing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it took me a long time to reach that conclusion, but um, I think that a lot of these UFOs they're, they're not they're not craft from other other dimensions. A lot of them seem to be these shapes, they're shape ships, shape shifting entities. You know. Yeah, and people find this very very hard to believe. But Constable found that when he photographed these amoeba-like forms, they actually travelled in a saucer-like shape when they moved. Right. And they are capable of um, changing their vibration and coming into this reality. There's been several cases where people have seen things similar. Like There's a famous sighting that went back where um, in America. I can never remember the guy's name. Um, but, um, the, first, the name UFO came from his description of the UFO, um, the way it skipped through the sky. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he actually coined the expression... Um, uh disc was it um flying disc yeah so no flying saucer that's it flying saucer and he wasn't on about the shape of it he was on about the way that these things skipped through the sky but he said that they look like living entities 
despite the fact that they were metallic. Yeah. And, um, so a lot of these things can look like flying saucers, and they can actually um, have coloured what looks like coloured lights on them. They can they seem to be able to manifest anything. They can change their shape or their density in in a, a second. And I think they may be you know interdimensional. They're coming through from different dimensions. Yeah. There's quite a few of the craft, the actual craft. I mean, on the front of my website, there's a picture that I've put on there. And I do go into description in the evidence section, but it shows a whole load of lights that came over. And it looks like it's part of a craft of some sort. And uh, I took two photographs, one after another, after I got a Geiger counter reading. And um, and um, basically, these things only appeared in one photograph. But it looks like it's part of a craft which isn't visible. And you're only seeing it because of the, the particular energy which is coming out the front of it. Yeah, maybe even the back of it. So I'm convinced there are craft up there, and there are things, you know, around, but probably more in the invisible. Yeah, you, so know, you think that they're, they're always there? Yeah, you say we can't see them. I think they. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, I think they. You know, I think there's multiple dimensions going on at one time. Yeah, just something they found at that Skinwalker Ranch. If um, you've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they they seem to see dinosaur like creatures, and they saw these dogmen, and these things just disappeared as if they'd gone in it's like the place was alive yeah it's almost like another dimension was um triggered yeah like a crossover of phenomenon yeah you know, phenomenon things some places have got stronger this this energy stronger there it could be it could be to do i was yeah well, this is what i've been looking into i mean i was looking at the, the missing um that program the missing 411 yes yeah and, um, one of the common denominators of these people going missing is the amount of quartz and I was starting to wonder as quartz is used, you know, in the mem- you know, for memory and everything. I was just wondering whether high concentrations of quartz, perhaps under certain um, you know, times of the year or certain planetary things happening, it could perhaps have a memory of um, another time on there. Yeah. Could to, for that reality to come into play. I mean, it's only a theory of mine. I mean, I've not heard anyone else saying anything like this, but no, it's very interesting. Starting to wonder if that is the case. And um, I never had a lot of UFO experiences on, on the ranch as well. Yeah. So I don't know. But I found that when I get a lot of, when I've taken UFO photographs in the past and stuff, I've also had like weird, other weird stuff going on. Okay. So it's, Can it's you share some of that? Around. Say again. Can you share some of that stuff that goes on as well? Um, well, I've had stuff where I've seen, um, at the bottom of our garden, we've got like a, an old riverbed that runs across. The garden's about an acre. And um, it's got like a woodland in there. And it's just not like a thick woodland, but it's pretty creepy at night. But I've had um, Geiger counter hits, and I've actually, um, one example was I was sitting around having a cigarette, actually, a cup of tea while I'd just been out filming, and I heard something. We At the time, it was autumn. It was pretty dark, and there was a load of leaves on the grass, and I heard something which sounded like a human running towards me, really heavy footing, and um, I could hear the leaves crunching, and I couldn't see um, anything. Couldn't even see any leaves moving, and this thing ran and ran and got near to me, and I just stood up and walked up the stairs really quick, trying not to freak out. Yeah. And I turned around and took a photograph, and um, there's just an orb there. Wow. And then I started hearing, like, a shaking sound in the trees, and, and bits started, like, I thought they were being thrown at me. So I took loads of infrared photographs using a flash to try and illuminate what was perhaps up there. And um, I caught orbs disappearing off into the sky. Wow. And uh, this was in the infrared, so I didn't see them. And I had, like, a really weird feeling. It's almost like these things live on fear. You know, they like to scare yeah. Yeah. So I've had things like that. Um, I've had just so many sort of strange things where I've heard um, footsteps and knocks on my door and I've heard like my name being called. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, lights going on and off a lot of the time as well. 
Um, the last interview that I did, I think it was the last one I did, um, which is on the website, and uh, the light was flashing on and off the whole way through it, and I kept changing lamps because I thought it was the lamp at first, and it just kept kept happening. And wow. I find that kind of thing happens in the room upstairs, and it's, um, I don't know, it's just very weird. Yeah. I kind of blame it on doing this work, really. Yeah. The I think the more you're open to these things, the more you're inviting them in, in a sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once you allow them in, I think it's, um, you know, it's hard job to sort of get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating stuff, man. And the fact that you can call them in and you've got some telepathic links says to me that, you know, there's, there's a lot more to this world and there's a lot more to, to what's yeah. going on. Yeah, so much more. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So most of my work's done from what I call my research area, which is the acre of land that I live on and also some of the surrounding area. Um, but yeah. I've, had a few, I've had a few problems as well and authorities and things. Um, really? Some, yeah, I'll tell you this story because I've talked about it before. Um, but I sent off my camcorder to America to get it turned into full spectrum. And it's something I'd done a couple of years before with no problem. Yeah. Sent it out there and um, I was checking on the site to see basically whether it had gone off for dispatch to the company that were doing it for me in America. Um, and what happened was it, it said one day that it was due for dispatch. And then I left it for about a week and um, and I decided to get onto the company. I said, oh, have you? I rang them up and said, oh, have you had my camcorder? How's it going? They said, oh, we haven't had it yet. I was like, hey. So I went back to the website at Kennedy Airport, or yeah. Fort Kennedy Airport, and it said it, my thing had been taken off for inspection. I thought, that's a bit weird. Wow. I decided to go up, go up the shop to get some shopping. And as I got up the shop, I noticed that at the very top of this lane, there was like a black car with a, a man and a woman in. And as I walked up behind them, I saw the man put a, a walkie-talkie, drop a walkie-talkie down the side. Yeah. And as I walked past the car, I was probably about three or four feet away as I walked by, I heard the guy say to the, the female, um, that's the male. Wow. Yeah, really freaked me out. And um, I thought, oh, my God, shit. And I didn't put two and two together at first. Yeah. And um, it kept happening. And I said to my sister, oh, you know, I'm being followed. There's something going on here. And wow. uh, she went into town with me, into Oxford, um, to the dentist. And uh, the bus stopped, um, about one stop after the normal stop. And these two guys got on. And my sister said straight away, you know, there's something funny about them. They look like cops. And uh, they just stood there at the front of the bus. And they just looked at me the whole time. Wow. So I had kind of that stuff going on. Do you think this is like the, the men in black sort of thing? Well, it seemed to be. Yeah, it seemed to be. Wow. Yeah, no, it really freaked me out. I mean, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I got off the bus stop early this particular day and me and my sister walked off to see if they'd follow us into town and we saw them go down the side of the police station. Wow. And this went on for a while and uh, probably went on for about, about six weeks or something. And then all of a sudden my camcorder came back and it had been done and uh, everything was all right and I didn't get any more problems then. Yeah, that's very strange though, isn't it? Yeah, no, it really was because I didn't know why they were looking into me. Um, yeah. This is the thing, I don't know... Yeah. Do you think this is something that the government knows about? Possibly. Well, I, think, well, I don't know. It depends what you class as a government. I think it was, uh, say, the intelligence. Yeah. See, probably that part of it, but they've probably got an idea what's going on. But I don't think they know the full thing. Right. Probably, I don't think they really want you putting this stuff out there. Yeah. Because I started using Cloudbusters, right? This is these devices, Cloudbusters, and um, something happened. Um, I was talking to one of my friends, and he said something on the phone about certain experiments we were going to do. And um, I heard a clicking sound on the phone and I thought it was a bit weird. And then what happened was I said goodbye to him, went back outside and heard this. 
And this, this bloody helicopter come right above our house. And no way. Yeah, it's about 100 foot above the top of the trees. And it was yellow, right? And it had like a, a first aid, uh, what, like a red cross on it. Yeah. And they just sat there in the sky and they went round and round. And it was a sea king. And it went round and round in circles really, really fast. And then it basically stopped. And I looked up and saw these guys like looking out at me. Wow. Sort of shit, you know, and everyone was, and some of the neighbours were thinking someone was being airlifted. Yeah. Out of the garden. And yeah, so they definitely don't want you looking into yeah. energy and that side of things. So, I, I mean, That's I got very interesting. Yeah, it really freaked me out, to be quite honest with you at the time, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, my sister said, oh, you think that's a training exercise? I said, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it then occurred to me that, you know, how, how much it must have cost to, to do that little exercise. And yeah. And this yeah. is just because of something one of my friends said on the phone. I think they'd, um, some keyword thing. He'd, uh, yeah, and they're checking you out. They come from the nearby air base. Wow. Yeah. So I tended to, I tend not to get involved with that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it's very suppressed. I mean, Dr. Wilhelm Reich ended up um, dying in a prison. Yeah. Guy who invented, well, not invented, but who who really brought the word organ um, to the world. You know, he called it organ energy because he found it was an organic type thing. You know, it's it's in all living creatures. Yeah. Um, and in all living things. And uh, so he called it organ energy. And he just found that, you know, there seemed to be, well, he, he describes what he describes as the organ energy of the world. He says that there's a load of energy that moves around, a load of organ energy, which describes the organ um, <clears throat> envelope, which you think turns the world, which is responsible for this globe spinning. Yeah. And I also found with my work that when I was filming in the ultraviolet, I found a, a west to east flow, which these creatures seemed to be riding on, and it was going really, really fast. So it could well be the same flow that he's talking about, the, the organ energy of the envelope yeah. of the world. So, Okay. It's a very complex um, subject. And do you think that the authorities don't want us knowing about this? Yeah, they don't. Yeah, I don't think it's something they're really into. No. Uh, wow. Well, it's the same, you know, you, if you invent a car that runs on water or something like that, you won't get it yeah. patented. They'd, yeah. have, they'd have that off you under national security. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just mentioned wow. I, I co-wrote this paper with, um, with a guy. Um, if anyone's interested in this whole subject of living UFOs, I decided that um, because Trevor James Constable had done a lot of work and he basically passed away, and also um, all the GRCU group from Italy had passed away, and their evidence is out there, but because of the rare, because it's so rare, the GRCU book, um, no one get, really gets to see that. So I got permission to use that and Trevor James Constable's photos. So I wrote a co-wrote a paper with Leon Southgate, providing the best evidence of living biological UFOs um, from photographs going back to the 1950s up to present day, and all my best footage as well, my best photographs. It's called um, Positive Findings on Constable's Organotic Bioforms, and it's part one and part two. And there's a link to that on the on my website. Um, I think it's in the news section. Awesome. Yeah, and that basically shows, it talks about the whole theory of it and, uh, and talks about organ, actual organ energy. And it fits the whole lot together uh, so people can kind of understand it a bit more. Yeah. I'll be checking it out for sure. Yeah, it's got a lot of really good photographs on there. Some of the, it's the best of Trevor James Constables, the best of the GRCU, and um, the best of mine. And it's also okay. got a couple of photographs from other people, uh, including a Romanian guy called Florin Dragica, who was doing similar work in the 1970s um, in Romania. Okay. 
he captured a giant egg-shaped UFO which was on, on the grass. And you can see the glue com- the sort of glow coming off from the bottom of it. And it's absolutely huge, size of a double-decker bus. Yeah. And that's actually on the on the paper as well. Awesome. So yeah. Wow. Fascinating yeah. stuff. It's interesting stuff, yeah. 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 Interesting subject. So going back to when you first ever saw this entity and you saw it with the naked eye, have you seen anything with the naked eye since then only dark shadows right and things like that i've not yeah i've never seen anything in like a solid looking form i've never seen a ghostly apparition as such um but i did i did see something very strange one day my dog started barking and the other one was snarling um and i got this feeling of dread and something seemed to be manifesting in my room in my flat so i took a photograph and um, the cameras just stopped and it never worked again and that was my only infrared camera at the time. It cost me almost £800 to buy a Canon G10, which I sent off to America and had it turned into infrared. And it just stopped. And I sent it off and they said they couldn't fix it. Wow. And it left me with no camera. So I then had to go and buy a reconditioned one, um, a different make, actually. But that was really weird. It seemed to have melted the particular energy that this thing seemed to be made of. It's all like it didn't want me to take a photograph or the particular energy it was made of uh, muck the camera up. Wow. But all the pixels just went haywire, and I just got this really weird picture, which didn't really make sense. Yeah. Um, and it never worked again after that. just it's, wouldn't it's, work. It's mad how often you hear that um, these things can affect elect- electronic stuff. Yeah, I can. I think, they use, I think they use the energy from it to manifest. Yeah. And ghosts and spirits and things. Um, and some of these entities as well. Well, many different entities. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can you can capture this stuff, you know, on, on a, a normal camera because even though they've taken out on a normal digital camera, because they've taken out the blocking filter, it doesn't necessarily block um, everything. You can see things can manifest on there, um, especially if they're lit up by sunshine in the sky, or if they're you know in a situation where you've got um, say a building and there's a bit of light in there, that light can actually help light them up enough to make them appear, you know, on a standard camera. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. I've got to say this to you as well. I, I listened to um, the Confessionals podcast. There was an episode where there was a US, um, a, a guy in the US military who was talking about that there's always things in the sky that we can't see. I can't remember what episode number it was, but it was fascinating. And he was saying that they had these like infrared sort of glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They could look in the sky and they can see these things. Yeah. Yeah. There glasses, are, and that's in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a, I've got um, another tool which I'm going to start using a bit more soon. I've got a um, security camera for the house, and it's um, it's an infrared um, CCTV camera, and um, it's got really good zoom on it. And um, I've got, it's got also got a hundred meter infrared illumination beam on it. And um, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I don't use it for security anymore. I've got something else. So um, I'm basically going to start using that to to film up into the sky and that. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm, I'm always trying, like, you know, different directions and things. Yeah. Um, but I try not to get, I mean, there's loads, I say the GRCU group, there's 25 members, they had loads of different instruments. They had, like, infrared detectors, detectors, ultraviolet detectors, um, precision magnetic compasses, Geiger counters, and, um, you know, they measured all sorts of different things, EMF, you know. Um, but, you know, it's, I found that it's best not to get too weighed down with technology because... You really need to have your mind on what you're doing. Yeah. When you're having to worry about too many 
you know, different things like your camera and then the guide counter in your hand and perhaps another thing. Really, you're not really putting your whole thing into it. And it's it's a distraction, basically. Yeah. So I try and be sort of light as I can, in a sense, and with just a camera and a detection device um, for my nighttime work. Yeah. And that way I can just sort of act. The minute I get a buzz, I can just like press the camera and try and get a picture. But most of the time I don't capture anything. I'll go for months and months and months and don't capture anything. Or I'll capture something really high in the sky that's too small. Yeah. So, you know, when I capture something good, it's, it's great. It's like, wow, yeah, you know, it just kind of keeps me at it. Yeah. Well, keep keep doing what you're doing, Nick, because it is absolutely fascinating, awesome work. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Can you tell the audience where they can find you? Where, where the name? I know you've said it, but the name of your website, just so they can find you. Yeah, my website is... Um, uh, www.questfortheinvisibles all one word .co.uk and my book is called Quest for the Invisibles as well um, and if you go to the website you'll find links to um, lots of other shows I've done um, where I include photographs on there and you'll find a whole heap of infrared and ultraviolet um, photographs and things on the website there's an evidence section um, which has got different evidence like um, UFOs and uh, and entities and various other strange things like um i caught a mist one day strange mist going through the, the forest an invisible mist and i managed to capture that that's the only one i've ever oh. caught and um, so everything really is you can get to from the website um there's a link to the youtube channel as well which is just quest for the invisibles awesome. so yeah and if you just google nick hayes quest for the invisibles everything will come up you know um, cool. loads and loads of videos out you know, a dozen or so videos of things I've done. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah, no, thanks. No, it's great. It's great to get a bit, you know, appreciation. I don't talk to many people about this subject, so it's, it's good to talk to somebody who's kind of on that. I'm always up for talking about this, so anytime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got me, got me number anyway, so I'm always up for a chat and that, so. Nick, thank you so much. This has been absolutely amazing. I was like, sorry, I hope I haven't done too much. <laughs> just so much to say. But <laughs> it's fascinating. I could talk to you all day about this. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Cool. cool. We'll have to do it. We'll have to do a part two. Yeah. No. Come on. Yeah. If you want me back on, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks thank for being on. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nick. Well, that's the show, Freaky Fam. I really hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy it, please share the show. Share the show where you can because that really does help us. Thank you so much. We will be back next week for more Freaky Conversations. In the meantime, remember, next time you're looking up at the sky and you think there's nothing there, think again. Bye for now.